0: Hello, welcome to People Who Are Politicians. I'm your host, Matt Antonelli. Before I get to today's episode, just some news and updates about what's coming up. So I've uh, recently recorded an episode with Peter Cumming, the councillor for uh, Wyndham Manley Ward. He's also the leader of the opposition in Brisbane City Council, as well as uh, Terry Butler, the member for Griffith. So uh, both those episodes will be coming up soon. Uh, I'm also going to be recording an episode with Councillor Matthew Burke soon. He is the councillor for uh, Jamboree Ward in Brisbane City Council, and I'm also recording an episode with former Senator Malcolm Roberts, a uh, member of Pauline Hanson's Hansen's One Nation Party, so that, that should be an interesting episode to listen to. Uh, the episode that you're listening to now, though, features Jake Shomer, he is the Greens candidate for the federal seat of Ryan uh, in the next election, whenever that may be, and uh, we had a really good chat about uh, his ideas for you know, what, what he intends to do if he's elected and how the Greens are going in that sort of Indooroopilly area. So if you don't know where Ryan is, it covers a lot of the western suburbs of Brisbane. So it starts sort of indooroopilly Flower, and then uh, goes all the way west to sort of like Pullenvale and uh, those sort of, I guess, semi-bushlandy you know, bushland-y green areas of uh, Brisbane. And it's also got the you know lucky side of game Mount Cuther and Lone Pine Quail Sanctuary, so a lot of cool locations in there. Uh, I will put some information about some things in Ryan in the episode description, as well as where you can find Jake and follow Jake, and you know keep up to date with what he's doing. Uh, I would also encourage you, you know, uh, go. You can go see him. He's got an electorate office set up. Um, well, I say electorate office, I mean campaign office set up. So. Um, go see him, um, you know, uh, get a get a feel for what the minor parties are doing out there, not just the, the two major parties. So uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, please like, rate, review on iTunes, and uh, you can do it on SoundCloud and Stitcher as well. We're available in all those locations. I'll put that in the episode description. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you. Hello, welcome to People Who Are Politicians. I'm your host, Matt Antonelli, and um, this time I'm joined by someone who's not a politician but wants to be one, um, Jake Shomer. Yes. Um, and being the candidate for the uh, division of Ryan. Yes. yes. Um, so how about we uh, we start with Ryan's itself. So why don't you give us a little bit of an overview of that electorate? Well, before I
1: do that, I should say, I mean, you, you commented that I might be someone who wants to be a politician. I have to say that getting the title politician is just an unfortunate uh, thing that <laughs> comes with the territory. Um, it's not a term that I think has uh, uh, much, positive, much positivity around it uh, for obvious reasons. So um, what I really am interested in is politics as a means of change. And I think because parliaments around the country are those bodies that get to decide the laws of the land... And have a huge um, amount of economic influence as well. That uh, really, if you want to change the world, which I guess I would like to do, then
0: Parliament just happens to be the answer. Okay, so um, given the fact that you are, maybe you don't want to have the negative uh, connotation connotation of being a politician, yes. but uh, why why run in the first place then? So yeah, yeah. I mean, because I. A lot of politicians I speak to, um, and I've said this to them, that a lot of them hold the seat on maybe a a 10% or less margin. So they have people in their electorate who might not want them in that seat. So it's obviously a very difficult job. So why go for it? Well,
1: I guess um, being a a member of a minor party, I would love a 10% margin. (laughs) Um, Really, Ryan is a seat that has been held by the Liberal Party, uh, I think basically since its exception, it was only lost once in a by-election. Um, So, look, I actually think that having to work harder uh, is a good thing and makes MPs more responsive uh, to their community. And I think one of the tragic things, and I think you see this in what happened in Canberra, is there's a lot of of the internal politics of the Liberal Party, for example, at the moment are not at all driven by what the electorate wants or needs. So, yes, there are always going to be people that uh, disagree with you, um, but... Uh, you know, I like the idea. There was a uh, Scottish MP who gave her first speech, Murray Black, and she said there are two kinds of politicians. There's signposts uh, and weather, weathercocks, like a weather vane. And the point was, a signpost might might take some unpopular uh, stands or some things that some stands that are not in the mainstream, but they point the direction to a better society. And, and for me, that's that's what I want to do, uh, and that's why I'm the Greens. Uh, it's because the Greens are the party that have, you know, whether it's issues like climate change or marriage equality. Marriage equality is an issue that we championed for ten years, and people called, uh, called us nuts and crazy. Uh, and by the end, it was uh, almost Liberal Party policy. Yeah. So I think you can change the world, but change is hard. Sometimes it takes a long time, uh, and you just have
0: to grasp whatever opportunities come your way. So, like like you said at the start, being a um... A candidate rather than the incumbent yes um, what have been some of the challenging aspects of getting started for you like we're in an office uh, people can't see it but we're in an office that's not quite set up yet but well we I yeah. mean
1: for me this is actually an amazing thing um, I've actually run twice before um, at the state level uh, and the first time I ran my entire campaign budget was I think about four thousand dollars Right.
0: so, so uh, probably a little bit less than the other two parties <laughs> yeah well um, <laughs> quite amazing. a bit less than,
1: than now I mean we've been fortunate that that we have the budget for an office yeah uh, and and to me that's amazing I suppose the other challenges for me is um, you know I work as a as a software developer just across the road from where we're meeting and um, I have to go to work every day and earn a living and pay my bills just like everyone else and this is um, I wouldn't call it a hobby but it, it's a it's a it's a it's a vocation. It's something I'm dedicated to, uh, but I think because I'm not an incumbent, I have a, a foot in the real world a lot more than than perhaps some of the some of the incumbents. And I think if I was elected, I mean, I would strive very hard to make sure that I keep that foot in my community and in the struggles that ordinary people face, um, because I think that that camera bubble, if you like, is 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 really noxious and I think that's one of the many reasons why the, the Liberal Party had their bickering. Um, once again, it's, it's internal politic, party
0: politics, not community interests. So, uh, you mentioned before that this has been, you know, it's a traditionally like, uh, liberal seat. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the same could have been said for the states that are in Drapili yep. before it became Maiwai, and then that's now yep. um, Michael Berkman has that seat, the member of the Greens. That's right. So, why do you think there's been that shift? away from Liberal to the Greens in this area? There's a few things. I mean, I, I actually worked
1: um, behind the scenes on Michael's campaign as a volunteer, and people were saying right up until we won it, oh, this is a blue-ribbon seat. No way we'll ever go to another party, even mind the Greens. I got a text that asked the election from an old university friend of mine who was incredulous that he suddenly found himself living in a green seat. <laughs> so people, I think, get used to the idea that seat belongs to one party or another but people's votes are powerful and it doesn't take all that many sh- to shift um, in order for the seat to change hands so in my case here if um, my party the Greens got um, about 5,000 votes more than we currently have we would win the seat uh, and the seat of hundred and fifteen thousand people that's not all that many yeah so um, But but I think the reason why people are coming to the Greens is, I think there's a few things. One is um, there's obviously a lot of dissatisfaction generally with politics and the major parties. Um, But I think uh, also the Greens have um, been working really hard on the ground uh, in places like Ryan uh, to build the trust of the community and to show that not only do they have, um, share the community's... um, complaints um, but have um, some solutions for that or at least a framework around which some of these problems can be tackled uh, and and I think you've seen that with with Michael's election and uh, I mean I think in his campaign development in the area was certainly a big issue um, but so of course was the Adani coal mine that that labor championed uh,
0: at the state level you mentioned that you' you know been on the ground talking to a lot of people in the community yeah. What do you think are some of the bigger issues in this electorate that um, you'll be focused on?
1: Yeah, so um, there, there. Are, I guess there are two kinds of issues. There's a lot of local issues, and then there's some of the, the big countrywide stuff. So, uh, I think locally there is a lot of congestion along some of the main roads in the electorate, and and there haven't been any serious solutions proposed. And mostly when they are proposed, it's it's a road widening or it's um, a, a, a like the legacy way tunnel to the north side. And I think it's a very car centric way of solving congestion as a problem. And I think the problem with that is we, we have this culture of car dependence. Um, and I guess for what it's worth, I don't, I have a, I'm borrowing a car for the purposes of this campaign, but I get along, I get around in public transport on a, and on a bicycle. So I think that comes from being a relatively young person. And I think that's a much more inclusive form of transport. And so we should be encouraging that. So transport's certainly an issue. So is capacity of the local schools. Michael's been doing some great work with primary schools, and I think we'll have some more to say on that before the end of the election. But there has been a long-term lack of investment in new land for schools. Uh, And it's, you know, the school I went to, Mobile State School, uh, had about 400 kids when I went there not super long time ago. And now it's, um, my senior's, over 800 if not close to a 1,000 and where there used to be ovals there's now none. So there's those local issues and then I think there's a a large number of um, national issues and it's hard to pin down exactly uh, where that that is. There's a lot of distrust generally um, but obviously different issues matter to different people but for me certainly um, corruption is a big issue. The fact that political parties uh, often receive donations um, from uh, big companies often those big companies give to labor and the liberal in equal amounts at the same time, uh, and I think people see that for what it is, which is simply uh, you know soft money influencing politics, which is really
0: a soft form of corruption, in my view. Uh, how would you uh, provide a solution for that? So if if if, uh, if that money is going to political parties is you know controlling the way those parties run, yeah. What do you think is a is a good solution to that?
1: Well, uh, it's not only that. It, Controls the why they run. It it also props up the current two-party system, mm-hmm. uh, and so incumbents of any persuasion, whether green or whatever else, they have less resources to compete, which is really incredibly undemocratic. Now we do already have some public funding for political parties. So for each vote a candidate receives, I think it's two dollars seventy or something that the party receives. Um, after the election, which means that you know the person who votes for the candidate gets 10%. That party gets enough resources to to fund it the next time round. So I think that's a useful solution. Uh, and what I would do is I would just severely restrict um, the way in which donations to political parties work. But uh, uh, the public funding may or may not be adequate at that point. But I think public funding distributed on a per-vote basis is, is a much more democratic way to fund
0: politics without, without it becoming corrupt. Now yeah, we probably skipped over this at the start a little bit, but um, your, how, when did you join the Greens? So when did you decide that, that um, you wanted to become more involved than just uh, like an average everyday voter?
1: Well, it's funny, I I never thought when I joined the Greens that I would be in this position that I'm in now. I joined the Greens about eight years ago um, and I joined because really I was quite disenchanted with um, the direction politics had gone. Um, So, I mean, climate change and refugees were two big issues for me at that time, Uh, still are, in fact. Um, And the fact that we'd gotten rid of John Howard... Uh, only to replace him with a Labor government that was almost equally bad in the end. On those two issues, I just felt so strongly about them that I, I had to join a political party, and I had to join a party that uh, had been consistent. And for me, that was that was the grants.
0: You mentioned that you ran twice before in yes. state elections. So, uh, how do you? Because obviously no, you didn't win, um, how, do no, you, uh, <laughs> how do you maintain the like uh, de- de- determination to then run again and, and again now? So I
1: don't know if it's quite an old saying, but it's one of my old sayings, which is if you, win by, if you lose by less than the last person, that's a win. If you change a policy outcome, that's a win. So there are benefits to running regardless of whether or not you end up with, with your seat in parliament. Um, that being said, there's obviously a lot more you can do if you do win. But really' we've, we've mostly it's been in the western suburbs of Brisbane an upward trajectory over the, over the time I've been involved, and I've had that ability to, to be involved and, and help and help help shape that in various roles and candidacy is only one of them. So um, I think we're in a unique position now that Michael's won that seat of Maywa, which is entirely within my federal seat. And I think the community are really seeing that a, a Green can win. Uh, and I and I can't I can't stress enough how much of a game changer it is just to be when We say we're running, we're serious, and we're going to. And if we win, this is what we'll do. Um, uh, so yeah, so that's a game changer. And I think even if you don't win, uh, there's a huge benefit. If you do win, you can achieve even more. But that vote has been trending towards the Greens over, over recent years. Um, Across elections, So I have the hope that even if I'm not successful on this occasion, um, that I or another Green will win the seat sometime soon. Uh, and when we win uh, the seat and some others like it, I think we can have a tremendous amount of influence in the Federal
0: Parliament and we can use that to transform Australian politics. Obviously, you, you mentioned before some of the issues for this area and mm. the reasons why people might be moving to the Greens. Yeah. Um, do you have a particular, like, personal political philosophy or criteria that you use to, that you will use to vote on legislation? Because you know, there's probably something that will come up that you haven't thought about. Do you have a particular way yes. that you would analyze that? Those well, sentences? for me,
1: um, if legislation that is proposed is better than the status quo, then generally speaking, it should be supported. Now, that doesn't mean uh, you don't point out all the flaws in it, uh, and that doesn't mean you don't argue for something better. But uh, if you are one of a range of parliamentarians that get a vote, then, then yes, you should vote for anything that moves you in that better direction. Uh, now, legislation isn't always that simple. Sometimes good stuff's bundled in with bad things, and you've really just got to go through it with a fine-tooth comb and, 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 come and work out how you feel at the end of that process. But the Greens have got very strong policies um, across the full range of policy areas uh, that would guide me, so
0: I feel pretty comfortable about that. And obviously, you mentioned you know you work in this area, so nearby. What are some things about um, what are some unique things about Ryan that people should come and check out? (laughs) Well, Mount Cutha
1: obviously um, Ah. is 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 fantastic. Uh, Do you have
0: that on my list of things to talk about? Actually,
1: oh yes. Well, it, it is beautiful, um, I suppose the thing you might have asked me about would have been the, the zip line that, yep. that's proposed, so we'll leave that for the moment, but it, but it is it is beautiful. The western suburbs are known for being the leafy green suburbs, and I think that is what characterises them mostly, most of all, um, and they have a very unique feeling, and that sense of community is pretty strong. Uh, it's a very well-educated area, so people... People are not going to be fooled by simplistic solutions, uh, and they're not going to be fooled by by sort of slogan hearing instead of policy. They're going to want policy, and they're going to want to see that their uh, potential MPs are are committed.
0: So speaking of that zipline, because obviously the Greens are opposed to that, um, and you know, uh, well, there's obviously a lot of discussion going around about it. Um, Why do you think? Uh, it shouldn't happen?
1: Well, so I think there's a few things. So, firstly, it's probably too early to say absolutely 100% we oppose it, uh-huh. but it is fair to say that we have a large number of issues of which the community share, that we at the very least would like to see those uh, answered satisfactorily before we would support such a proposal. But there's a few issues, I suppose, with the zip line. Um, firstly... Uh, Mount Cutha is an iconic uh, part of our community. It has been uh, protected since the 1890s, and it is that sort of most inner city bit of Brisbane that has been left pretty much natural. And so, the idea of having uh, a zip line with large poles in the ground and a big boardwalk, sort of having to knock down trees to support that uh, and disrupt the ecology of the area, the idea of having that go in is not at all appealing. I suppose the other thing is, and I was—I went to the forum that Michael Berkman organised uh, a few weeks ago, uh, attended by the councillors and Zipline Australia, a company building it. And they were asked how much the zipline would cost to ride, and they would not give an answer. But numbers along the lines of $100 a ride have been floated, and that was the opportunity to refute that if that was not a credible figure, and they, they declined to do so. Uh, So to me, that's a lot like the Wheel of Brisbane, which, as far as I can tell, very few locals ever use. It's mostly tourists. So I don't think it's going to benefit the community that actually live here. Um, But I suppose the more structural issue is the idea that that is a public resource held in trust, not just for our generation but for future generations. And the proposal effectively privatises that land. There is a private benefit, private company making a private benefit out of a what is currently a public asset and it looks likely that the public person the form of the council will underwrite some of the infrastructure associated with supporting that so there's another uh, round of public money going in and I think I think that last point in particular uh,
0: makes the zip line hard to support regardless of the final configuration of the project how do you uh, suggest that members of the public become more involved in politics so obviously you mentioned earlier that there's a bit of disenchantment so how do they how do you get them re-engaged and how should they engage with politics do you think
1: well i think everyone has to answer that question for themselves um i've been involved not only with political parties but also with um i sha not name them but but different kinds of ngo type organizations volunteer organizations activist organizations but for me the political party uh, remains very important because it is the structure that elects people to Parliament and decides the policies um, effectively in which they as a group share. And um, my involvement in um, other organisations has left me feeling that um, it, that you're really left to, at, the, at the whim of the politician of the day to hopefully choose to agree with you and act upon uh, what you're saying the community want. And unless it is, there are a few issues that on their own are electorally powerful enough to decide whether or not a government lives or, lives or dies or a member is elected or not. So uh, I think the political party remains important. And furthermore, that uh, political parties should represent people, which means they should have a mass membership as we did in the, in the 50s and 60s. I mean, the Labor and Liberal parties each used to have over 100,000 members. And they have declined. They've declined on a nationwide basis to I think, in the twenty twenty thousand seems to vary. And the active membership is even less than that. So, so I think that makes that organisation, those organisations, particularly vulnerable to being lobbied and influenced by things other than their core values. And I think that is one of the structural things in Australian politics that is that is, has um, changed. And if people want to change that, then they should join the political party whose values they most agree with. And they should try and influence
0: that party, and then see those people elected. And because uh, uh, I guess you're not—no um, offense—you're <laughs> not widely known in this in this electorate just just yet. That's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> how are some ways that people can find uh, to follow what you're up to and um, keep up to date with what you're doing in Ryan? Quite active on Facebook. Um, getting more active on some of the other social media
1: platforms. We have a, a website. We as of five days ago, I have a campaign <laughs> yeah. office, and as yeah. of this afternoon, have some signage out the front. Um, so I, I think people can, can can find me on those platforms, and we are keen to engage widely with the community. Um, I suppose the other thing is uh, there was a small article about our about my candidacy in the paper today. So um, I expect to become more widely known over time. But the other thing is over the course of my involvement. Uh, with the Greens uh, in this part of the world, I'm sure I've knocked on, you know, at least five thousand doors personally. So plenty of people I have discovered um, actually do know me because they have met me before. Uh, and I had, I had to be honest, I had forgotten this. But every time I go door knocking, um, I do do run into people who know who I am and know what I'm doing. So I think that will help. But The Greens do a lot of door knocking, and I actually think that direct one on one engagement is the way politics should be done. Uh, Politics is too much through mass media, and I think that's to its detriment. Um, So, if people really want to
0: see what you're up to, they should come to that. They should come talk to me. Yeah, come check out And I've (laughs) I've been engaging with
1: people on certain um, social media groups online directly with them, answering questions. So, yeah, there's plenty of ways to engage. People just got to find me, seek me out on those platforms or in
0: person and have a chat. Say you get elected and you're in for how many terms you you keep winning for. Yes. Um, What kind of legacy are you looking to try and leave behind in the longer term?
1: What I'd really like to do is just strengthen our democracy. So there's a few ways. We've we've talked a fair bit about donations. If I could have a meaningful impact on that policy area, I think that would be fantastic. Um, But there's also things like... Um, a national anti-corruption watchdog, um, like Queensland's Triple C or New South Wales ICA, we don't have anything like that at the federal level. So really when there's some um, corrupt behaviour going on, it's hard to even know about it. So I would like to see something like that set up nationally. Um, I suppose the other thing, it's a more long-term thing, but uh, at the moment, when people vote for a party, uh, that party does not receive the number of seats proportionate to the number of votes in the House of Representatives. And it's been long-standing Greens' policy to make that a proportional proportional House. So the Greens get roughly 10% of the vote um, at the national level at the moment, and yet they get one seat out of 150. <laughs> yeah. And that's not just a problem for the Greens. That's a problem for every new party that comes along and wants to shake things up. And that, to me, is the most undemocratic feature Of our electoral system and and uh, you know that has to change and in New Zealand uh, that system did change and it changed partly because uh, a lot of people were involved in it but including the Greens who weren't even a party at that stage people who involved in the foundation of the Greens of New Zealand got involved and changed the electoral system and then started winning seats and I think that's something we have to look at not just federally but also in Queensland uh, where we only have one House of Parliament mm-hmm. and no checks and balances.
0: Uh, so, yes. So, y- y- is that because um, New Zealand uses these, the list system as well as mm. the. Makes um, me very proportional for the nerds at home. yeah <laughs> For me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and, yeah, I, um, I remember Michael echoed the same thing with the yes. having a second house in Queensland because I think the only... I mean, territory has one, and both territories only have one, but we're the only state without a second house.
1: Well, I just think no one party should have absolute power and most Queensland governments, uh, government majority... And so as long as their caucus is united, and we saw in the Newman government where it's a huge caucus, you don't even need the caucus united, you just need the majority of the government united, that it can do whatever the hell it wants. And uh, it, even if it's not with ill intent, there's the time, There's a possibility for arrogance to, uh, to come into play. And so we have a committee system, but it's very easy to override that. I mean, the voting system in Queensland got changed before the last state election because The Labor Party tacked an amendment onto a counterparty bill, and when the LNP weren't looking closely enough at the legislation, the entire basis in which we elect the Queensland Parliament got changed to suit the governing party. I mean, that is insanity. That is absolute insanity. Um, So we need to have a broader discussion about what is the right system. Um, But but I think that debate hasn't been had uh, in Queensland, and... It's not a debate, frankly, that is going to win any party, any votes, but it's an important conversation to have. Uh, and it needs to happen beyond simply
0: the, the uber-nerd interested in politics. Yeah. Do you think that having those um, different systems would also generate better debates then between parties? Yes, I do. Um, well, obviously, with more seats, you would you well, want to debate Well, harder. we would have an, in- an <laughs> amount
1: of influence proportionate to the to our actual share of the vote, which I think is, for me, that's just democratic. Um, but I think um, if you look in systems like New Zealand or in Germany, uh, there it's not just a you know the government of the day is right and the opposition is wrong or vice versa. It's not that mudslinging kind of attitude. Doesn't um, it isn't as prevalent? Um, so yeah, you can see parties notionally on the left and the right agree with each other and pass legislation or and potentially for totally different reasons. But that that respect is there and that that debate is more collaborative. And uh, I think Australia's very, politics is very divided at the moment. And I actually think that is, for the fabric of our society, not healthy. Um, And a little respect for for other points of view is is warranted. And for all of my um, frustrations and disagreements with the major parties and my desire to replace them, um, I they are, they do represent a section of our society and therefore they represent,
0: They should be respected on that basis. But we should debate, uh, debate the actual issues. All right, well, I think we might um, leave it there. I'll put uh, where people can follow you and find your office in yeah. the episode description below. So um, hopefully you'll get a bunch of new people coming to ask questions. But I just thank you very much for chatting with me.
1: All right, thank you.